Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, Homeschool Life Coach at Capturing the Charmed Life. I'm dedicating this season of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast to the overwhelmed homeschool mama, because you'd rather be clear, confident, and satisfied in your homeschool and life, not overwhelmed. This season is for you if you know you have a daily challenge in your homeschool or an almost daily challenge and you're not quite sure why it's happening or what you can do about it, but how you've been addressing it hasn't been working. So if this is you, welcome Homeschool Mama. On today's episode, Isabel Robledo and I are going to discuss Enneagram in our homeschool. If you've ever met me, you know I'm going to ask you your Enneagram type because it helps me to understand you a little better, understands where you're coming from, how you approach other relationships, and what's most valuable for you. But it has helped me most of all to understand myself. What's most important to me? How I relate to others? What I expect of others? It certainly has helped me in my homeschool and in my life. Understanding myself, getting a little clearer on what my motivations are, really healing those inner motivations, certainly understanding my children a little bit more, understanding where they're coming from, what their perspective is, why they see the world differently than I do. So on today's episode, we're going to talk Enneagram in our homeschool. We'll have a flyover of all the different Enneagram types, their motivations, and how each one needs to address their self-care. Today, I get to introduce you to Isabel Robledo. Isabel is an 18-year-old unschooler who teaches how to understand your unique personality type and use it to solve your struggles and get what you desire. She says Enneagram gives us a comprehensive look at what our personality is, what kind of people we are, where we need to grow, where we will struggle, and give us a great indicator of how we can be more healthy versions of ourselves. I wonder if you might agree that having a conversation about Enneagram with an 18-year-old feels remarkable, and yet, should it really? Because one thing we know about our kids, our homeschooled kids, is when they go down a rabbit trail and they discover a passion that they have, they can go very far. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Isabel Robledo, Enneagram coach at Making Mindfulness Fun. Welcome, Isabel such a pleasure to have you here because I listened to you on Robert Robertson's podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids for the first time. And I was like, we got to have you on to the podcast. You have so much to offer. I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, sure. So my name's Isabel. I am 18 years old. Um, when I was 16, I started my first business, which is known as Making Mindfulness Fun, which is a mindfulness, consciousness and empowerment platform where I teach people about psychology and personality types, as well as astrology and kids mindfulness. When I started my business, I was teaching kids mindfulness for the most part. I ran a 20 or 10 week class teaching kids how to just generally be self-aware. And at the same time, I was really getting a lot into the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, also known as the MBTI. And I was really got interested in teaching people about that because as I was teaching kids about mindfulness, I was seeing how much Enneagram plays a role. And in my own family, which is a family of seven, I was seeing over the years how much knowing the Enneagram has helped us. So I really started pursuing uh, teaching the Enneagram more and more and went away from teaching the kids mindfulness stuff. 
And now I teach Enneagram mostly through the blog and on YouTube as well. And I also have incorporated astrology into the mix on top of that because Enneagram and astrology create this wonderful combination that gives us a very comprehensive look at what our personality is, what kind of people we are, where we need to grow, where we will struggle, and it can give great indicators in how we can be more healthy versions of ourselves. So that's my business uh, background for the most part. But as far as personal, I've been living on the road uh, full time in an RV with my family for seven years. So when I was 11, I moved into an RV to travel full time and I had grown up homeschooled in this entire process. I never stepped foot into a school my entire life. And my mom just gave me the uh, just told me to pursue my passions. I don't care what you do. You have to just pursue something every day. Yeah. And that was personality typing. And so that's what got me into the Enneagram is Ann Myers-Briggs and astrology is throughout my years of travel. I had a lot of free time and I started hearing about these personality typing things. And I was so fascinated by it. I love the idea that we have a system for understanding ourselves. So I got into that through our travels and that's what led me to making it my business. Well, it's so fun to meet you. I can't wait to meet your mom one day too. When I hear (laughs) you say that you... Um, we're encouraged to just pursue your passion every day. Sounds like our homeschool. I've got four kids. I've got a kiddo that is um, a year older than you and is also, I think you're Enneagram nine wing wing one. Yeah, I'm a nine wing. Okay. All right. My daughter is nine wing one. So that is, you're so articulate and so interesting. I love watching you guys on YouTube and it's been super fun receiving your emails, learning all sorts of different things. So today, the intention of our conversation today is to help homeschool moms address overwhelm. And in one of the ways that we can do that is to understand ourselves, understand our relationship with other people. And I really think Enneagram helps to do that because it helps us to understand ourselves. It helps us to understand the differentness of the people that are around us, how we can expect things from them, or how we expect things from ourselves, or how we interact, certainly how satisfying our relationships are, definitely how we're going to deal with conflict, and what we really have to offer and to bring to our relationships. So I am looking forward to this conversation. Well, I can't wait to share what I have to know and hopefully help you, uh, everyone in your listeners, uh, understand the Enneagram a little better in themselves. I love, 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 love me the Enneagram. In the beginning, I took all the tests or the quizzes and I had these ideas that I'm a seven because I think everybody idealizes themselves as a seven. We're all just fun, trying to hang out, have fun. Turns out I'm not a, I'm not a seven. <laughs> I'm a two. I'm your dad. Oh. You heard you speak a lot. I'm a two wing one in my less healthy space, two wing three in my healthier space. So if the uh, listeners haven't heard me speak about Enneagram, which is really hard for me to believe because I talk about personality profiling all the time, but would you share a little bit about what Enneagram is? And if you are comfortable just giving an outline of what the nine different Enneagram types are, if you're comfortable doing a flyover, a very simplified flyover. Yeah, sure. Um, Just let me know. As a nine, I have a bit of a tendency to go on tangents. So you can always feel free to let me know if I just need to reel it back in and I'll try to make it as possible. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system consisting of nine different types. And these nine different types are based on nine different childhood programmings we receive, and that creates our personality. 
So for example, the one believes that they have to be perfect. And so they become the perfectionist and their core desire is to be perfect and their core fear is to not be perfect. And I'll go into further depth of what each of those are later on. But each of these nine Enneagram types are based off of a core programming and childhood wound we receive. And that creates a core desire and a core fear. So that is the root of each type. It's not necessarily about the behaviors and the traits. And that can be sometimes a misconception about the Enneagram is that, like you said, you thought you were a type seven. I thought I was a type five at first. And that's because we look at the behaviors. Mm-hmm. And while behaviors are additional to the Enneagram, the root of it is we're trying to find the core desire and that programming we're instilled with. I'm interrupting this episode to invite you to connect with me. If you'd like someone to walk alongside you as you tackle a homeschool challenge, you can find me at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. I offer one-on-one coaching sessions and self-coaching courses like the Overcoming Overwhelm coaching course. I also offer a group coaching option for homeschool moms who are overwhelmed. And if you want to just explore, are you overwhelmed and why are you overwhelmed and get clear on the reasons, you can access a self-coaching journaling workbook to dig deep into why you might be overwhelmed. And of course, if you haven't yet downloaded the guide to grappling with overwhelm, you can find all of these resources over at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. Now back to the episode. The nine Enneagram types are Enneagram one. um, Each Enneagram type is called after the number it is. So Enneagram one is the perfectionist. They believe that they have to be perfect. They struggle a lot with having an inner critic that tells them they're never good enough. And they seek a lot of um, order in the world. Mm -hmm. This is very similar to the Enneagram three, which I'll get to later. But the difference here is that Enneagram ones are focused a lot on justice and morality and perfection uh so they can be a little bit more um in a way especially as adults they can be very organization driven and they can be very uh focused on political matters sometimes because they want that (laughs) order yeah i have to laugh because my husband is a one and he's Mm -hmm. been a chief of staff at a hospital for the last few years so he's been a leader and now he's moving into politics so there you go (laughs) oh wow So very healthy for his type one, probably. That's right. So then we have the Enneagram two, which you are, Teresa. And the Enneagram two is called the helper. Their core desire is to help other people. They struggle with feeling that if they don't help and are selfless, then they're not good enough. So in childhood, these people can be like the mini parents. These can uh, all care of their siblings, making sure everyone's attended to, and they can struggle to have their own sense of self in this. Very similar to the Enneagram 9. The difference here is that the Enneagram 2 believes they have to help and serve. So then we have the Enneagram 3, the achiever, very similar, like I said, to the Enneagram 1. The difference is the type 1 desires perfection, so they're more organization-driven and focused Mm -hmm. on order and morality. The type three is focused on winning. Their core desire is to win. And so they can be uh, overachievers in childhood. And even as adults, they can probably be a bit of workaholics stereotypically. 
They can be focused on wanting to be the best. Type threes, they can be a bit of workaholics, as I was saying, or they can be very, um, as adults, uh, like fitness, health guru oriented because they want to be the best. They can even be professional athletes. It's not always the case, but overall, they're wanting to look for the win. So they're going to always be chasing that achievement. Right. Type fours are called the individualists. Their core desire is to be unique and understood. They are a very common type amongst males. I notice nowadays, um, adult males, I actually met more type four males than females, uh, which was very surprising for me because I expected to meet more females. I know three type fours and they're all female. So that's interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah, One of them is my daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think as like in the younger generation, it's weird. We had this like shift for um, a long time. We were raising a lot of type six females and type four males. So like type six females are very common between millennial to gen X. Yes. Um, And now we've hit like a switch where a lot of females in the gen Z category have become fours. Interesting. Well, mine is 17. So yes, very interesting. It is so interesting to see. It says something about what programmings we're being um, commonly interacting with uh, as a society. But type four's core desire as uh, to be unique and understood. Um, This makes them very creative individuals, Um, not Mm -hmm. always necessarily artistic, but very expressive. They seem to know always what their opinion is on things. They're very confident (laughs) that they want to live in a fullest expression. And this comes from fear that if I'm not unique, then I'm not going to be wanted around. Type fives are called the investigator. Their core desire is to have knowledge and be capable. These people are very analytical, cerebral, fact-oriented, research-oriented. They love knowledge. They're very logical people. They're not the kind to answer the question, how do you feel? So these are very rational people and they value logic above all else. Their core desire comes from the fear that if I don't have knowledge, then I'm going to be incapable and then I'm going to be potentially harmed. Mm. Um, And then we have the type six who also has that fear of harm. They're called the loyalist. Their core desire is to have loyalty. And it comes from the fear that they believe that the world is dangerous and it's going to harm them. So when they find something to be loyal to, they're loyal for life. And these people can swing the spectrum because they can either go to extreme uh, trust or mistrust. So for example, especially with like government, type sixes will either be uh, extremely trusting, like the government wants to protect me at all costs. I fully believe everything they say. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where people uh, who believe the government just wants to kill me. And like, I will not trust them no matter what. So that's the type six for you. And they have this strong desire for loyalty. And so they can go about that through family, friends, uh, the place they live, etc. Then we have the Enneagram 7, which is the enthusiast. And the way I like to describe the enthusiast is imagine you took a golden retriever puppy and then <laughs> put that spirit in a human being. Yes. And that is the type 7 for you. They That's are pretty friends. Yes. <laughs> They're the most enthusiastic people you'll ever meet. They are joyful, spontaneous, love to have fun, the life of the party. Um, And that comes from the core desire that they want to have positivity and fun. Mm -hmm. And behind that 
core desire is the fear that if they feel any form of negativity, they're going to be harmed. They view negativity as harmful in general. The seven is a lot like the type four and the type nine in certain senses. Those three have a lot in common and very key differences. Sometimes fours often appear and think they're sevens because they put to put on that fun lover attitude. But the core desire is different in the end. The seven wants to chase positivity. And the four often thinks they're the seven. And the difference here is that the seven chases positivity and fun. And in the end, the four still, above all else, wants to be understood and have a place in the world. Yeah. So that's the seven. And then the Enneagram eight is the challenger. And their core desire is challenge and intensity. A lot of Enneagram sixes tend to think that they're eights. But there's a big difference here. Uh, the behaviors can be very the same because they're both protective, uh, protective, guarded people. Um, but the difference is, of course, the core desire. The six wants loyalty and the eight wants intensity. And so they thrive off of the challenge, the intensity, always chasing the next adventure, always chasing the next um, hard thing to do, whether that's a physical challenge, a mental challenge, a work challenge. Any of those things can be a challenge for a type eight. And this your comes mama. from the, I understand yes. your mom and that is my oldest daughter. So we are very familiar. It, it would be interesting to have my oldest daughter as a mom and uh, maybe for you to experience your mom as your daughter. Anyway, yes, for sure. Because as a nine myself, I chase harmony. And so I've been very conflict avoidant in childhood at times and she's very pro-conflict in a way because it's sparring for her very comfortable with conflict yes yes in a way it's been a good dynamic because we help each other with our strengths and weaknesses so the eighth core desire of challenge comes from a fear that if I show any weakness then I'm not going to be enough and I'm going to be harmed so they make this challenger personality they have this personality because they feel that they need to be strong the worst thing for a type eight would to be incapable or weak right and finally we have the enneagram type nine which is the peacemaker which is what i am Mm -hmm. our core desire is to have peace and harmony we seek out uh, a one-on-one connection to feel that often it's a core desire or a part of the type nine's core desire that is often not talked about is how much we seek one-on-one connection. And this changes somewhat depending on your instinctual subtype, uh, whether you're SX, SP, or SO. But overall, type nines are seeking out harmony. So these people are very easygoing. They're laid back. They're chill. They're friendly. Sometimes they can be loud and they can seem like a seven. And other times they can be very quiet. And um, they seek this harmony through getting along with other people. So they'll often not tell people what they want or what they need. They can repress their needs often. A story of this to example is one time when we were hiking, I rolled my ankle pretty badly, but I chose not to tell anyone about it. I was like, oh, I'm fine. And hours later, I looked down at my ankle and it's super swollen. And that was when I'm like, okay, I should maybe say something. So I, in the most polite way, say to my family, like, hey, is this swollen? And that's at the moment where they go, yes, that is swollen. Why didn't you ask for ice earlier? So that's the type nine's thinking for you. They don't want to rock the boat. They want to keep, make sure that they keep conflict to a minimum. And so that can make them conflict avoidant, um, have trouble dealing with conflict or negative emotions like the seven. And it also makes them repress the needs and desires. They believe if yes, and they believe that if they uh, if they have conflict, that they're going to be abandoned. So those yes. are the nine types. Yes, and one of the easiest friends 
that's also what I've learned. For that sure. Beautiful flyover of all the Enneagram types. So what I learned is taking quizzes, not really helpful because the quizzes don't typically uh, hone in on what your motivations are or your core desires or your core needs. And that's the point of Enneagram. And that's why I prefer it over the Myers-Briggs, although I've definitely enjoyed the Myers-Briggs and anything personality profiling. I love that stuff. But the reason I love that stuff is partly to understand myself and also to understand others and how we interact. So one of the things that we can do is to get really clear on who we are, what we're about, and how we're actually understanding the people that are in our family. I've noticed in your email series, you've got a self-care for Enneagram numbers. And I, this is kind of the whole thing behind this podcast and everything that I do is that we homeschool moms don't really address our needs. It's not our instinct. We're really on it when it comes to our kids and all the things that we think we're supposed to be doing. Yes, that is speaking out of a two um, Enneagram space, but I've learned that we homeschool moms, period, right across the spectrum, find our different ways of doing it as different Enneagram types, and we're not always addressing what we need. So I thought your series on self-care for Enneagram types would be an amazing discussion for today. So where do you want to take that? Um, Let's start with what uh, makes... so everyone's going to need a different thing for their self-care. And that's why, because you could look at each of the Enneagram blogs and be like, well, technically shouldn't we all do all of these? Mm. But it is true that everyone could benefit from all those practices. But because we're talking about programming, uh, Mm -hmm. each Enneagram type has a different belief system. Certain self-care practices are going to take you further in a shorter amount of time than other practices. For example, I recommend a myofascial release or a self-massaging technique for type eights a lot. That won't necessarily help the type two the most because they need to focus on creating individuality. And then on top of that, for the Enneagram and self-care, uh, I basically, there's a framework for our self-care for every Enneagram type. We have to fulfill our core desire. Mm-hmm. We need to fulfill both our wings mm-hmm. and we need to fill fulfill both our stress and growth numbers which are actually could both be our stress numbers and both be our growth numbers at times so because for people that are new to Enneagram altogether when Mm -hmm. I heard even when I know about wings I know that on each side of your number you're more likely to be in a healthy space or an unhealthy space and are you talking is that what you're saying about stress yeah so in the Enneagram, we have two wings, like the numbers on either side, which it sounds like you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. So for example, as me as a nine, I can be like an eight. Uh, I can behave like an eight or I can behave like a one. So yeah. for my self-care, I need to make sure I have sometimes like the eight, some challenge in my life. And sometimes like the one, I need some organization. Yeah. And on top of that, we have numbers that we grow to and we and numbers we become like in stress. So for me, that's the number Enneagram three and the Enneagram six. Stereotypically in the Enneagram, we have one number that we become more like in stress and one we become more like in growth. Mm. However, while this is true, we really need to grow to both numbers and we can become like each one in stress. So usually as a nine, I become like a six in stress, which means I'm worried or mistrusting and paranoid. But at the same time, I need some of that healthy Enneagram six in me for growth. I need loyal connections. 
And on the other hand, I can become, even though the three is my usual growth, I need more drive and goals and ambitions. I can sometimes take this too far and become achievement oriented and not know how to rest. So when it comes to self-care for each of our Enneagrams, we have to look at both of these numbers and think, how can I embrace these to the best way possible? Mm, I love that. And for an 18 year old person that you are so self-aware, it is just really cool for me to hear this discussion. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's the Enneagram has helped a lot. I've always had trouble with seeing self-understanding as just a basic concept and having frameworks for it and systems Mm -hmm. like the Enneagram and astrology have helped me tremendously. Yeah, I know you, you spoke actually, you started with making mindfulness fun. And that to me um, was actually kind of mind blowing in the very beginning, just the mere Mm -hmm. act of being self-aware and getting to know yourself getting a little bit clearer on why you're motivated the way you are or what triggers you in a certain direction. Just having that clarity on who you are helps you to have a distance between how you act and how you feel or how you're, you're thinking in the moment. And so that whole mi- making mindfulness fun, I, bring it on. That's for me, bring it on, schedule those moments. But so how do we actually include some of this Enneagram discussion in our self-care. What do we, how would you practically suggest we do it? So once you've found your Enneagram type, assuming you know it, if you haven't found your Enneagram type, don't do the tests. They end up just leaving us more confused than we were in the first place. Uh, I mean, for this reason where it gives you a short description of each Enneagram type and it gives you the wing description, the fear description, all of it. So it really takes just looking at and learning about each type and then deciding which one you feel like you're most like. So once you know your Enneagram, you want to look at those factors I was talking about for your self-growth. So, or for your self-care, sorry. Um, You want to look at first, what is your core desire? So let's use the example. Let's say you are an Enneagram six. If you find out you're an Enneagram six, you want to first fulfill your core desire, which is loyalty. So how can I find loyalty and stability in my life? This can be done in many ways. So one I recommend for type sixes, finding stability is literal grounding into the earth. This can be extremely helpful for type sixes because they feel often worried. And by being barefoot in the earth, naturally we have the most nerve endings in our feet. And so this helps us get into our parasympathetic nervous system, activating calm and relaxation instead of being in our stress state. And you can also, for type sixes, it's important that they seek out loyal connections and make sure that their house or the place they live makes them feel safe. So that's fulfilling step one, which is the core desire for the Enneagram six. And then we need to look at both the wings. So the Enneagram six has a wing five and a wing seven. So they need to have place in their life to be introverted and feel like they have resources and that they're capable. And then they need also to have some fun in life. So making sure they first have loyalty then some time alone and then some people or places or things that make them feel like they're having fun is really important for their self-care. And it doesn't have to mean that partying for them is their self-care. It could be a creative hobby or it could be uh, being out in nature, whatever feels enjoyable and fun for them and makes them feel positive is important for their self-care. And then we look at both their stress and growth numbers, which is the three and the nine. So type sixes all need a little bit of goals and achievement for their self-care in a sense not necessarily though we don't want to look at for them we can easily get caught up in 
extrinsic um, achievement. So like, oh, if I win this, I get this award and people think this. It has to be intrinsically driven. What is going to make you feel good? So like self-development goals are really good. Or I'm going to achieve this hike or I'm going to learn how to do this. And that being self-fulfilling is really important for type six is self-care. And then type sixes have to embrace the Enneagram nine and remember how to relax. And this is a very big step for a type six that's in high stress because the type nine is their biggest main growth number. So when a type six is in a type six mom is in a really bad space, it's really important that they really make priority to relax, rest and restore their body. So you happen to choose an Enneagram number of one of my beautiful friends. So I'll have to definitely send this podcast episode to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So when you spoke about Enneagram type two, um, because that's me in the self-care checklist, I have never seen anybody refer to this before, but it actually said to have animals and to look after animals. And I have found that to be one of the most nurturing elements of owning a homestead I used to do the traveling around for seven years with my four kids too um, and then we decided to oh, set right. and build a homestead and now we have goats and chickens and a great pier and there's something so grounding for me so nurturing for me to be on a homestead so I thought that was really interesting that you'd written look after animals for too yeah I mean it was mainly just observation that brought that one to me because I know a few type twos other than my dad yeah um, um, my dad is a type two. And mm-hmm. I found that a lot of them feel very comforted by animals. They're like, I love, I used to have horses growing up. So like a lot of type twos will say, oh, I, I grew up with horses. or I grew up on a farm. I like loved animals. And my dad is very similar how he, he had a lot of pets growing up at times and he loves animals. He's fascinated by them. When we go hiking, he's always looking at the birds and like the animals, <laughs> as long as they don't get too close and could harm us. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just an observation that I made. I was like, oh, maybe all type two seem to like animals. And it turned out they did. Yeah, that's definitely me. And I wouldn't have guessed that as a child. Um, I did have a lot of animals as a child, but as, as an adult, I found it truly healing. So you talk about growth numbers and wings and stress. How do we learn more about all of these things? Because to the person that's never heard about Enneagram before, it probably sounds like a lot. Um, where would you look for more information? So my blog, makingmindfulnessfun.com is where I write about all this. So if you just go to my blog, makingmindfulnessfun.com, there'll be uh, at the top of it, uh, Enneagram and a drop down to each Enneagram type. And if you just go through those blogs, which isn't too overwhelming amount right now, I have blogs on Enneagram self-care, mm-hmm. Enneagram wings, Enneagram uh, stress and growth, everything that you need to know to understand the basics of the Enneagram. And if you join my email list, so if you download my free Enneagram cheat sheets, then I'll give, send you a, I send you a checklist of a simple email to show you what to go do for each, uh, to understand the Enneagram if you're new. And from my experience, that was a very, very useful checklist. The series of emails, very useful. Oh, thank you. Yes. Now, managing self-care and when we have relationships to attend to, especially as a mom. So I know you're not a mom. Or I don't understand your mom. Um, But as a parent, a homeschool parent, what are you familiar with in how we can attend to our kids and also look after ourselves? So this is a great question because, of course, everyone wants to practice self-care in in theory using the Enneagram tools. 
can be easy, uh, should be easy, but obviously as parents, I, I've been around a lot of moms, um, it can be really hard to make time for yourself. And that's where I think the general mindfulness comes in. And that's what we promote um, in like my business and making mindfulness fun and on our membership site where me and my family show up and talk all about self-development and becoming a family of this new earth era yeah. is that it's yeah. all about, we have to not only take care of ourselves, but lead by example to make it so kids learn to take care of themselves. And then we can uplift the whole family together. So yeah. that's why I really promote that you find out your children. So, sorry. Um, so that's why I really promote uh, finding out your kids' Enneagram. I believe you can find your kids' Enneagram sometimes as young as seven, especially if they are like an Enneagram seven, um, the very obvious personality. But by the time your child is 10 or 11, you, they have a pretty solid um, Enneagram type. And then as so if your kids are around that age, highly recommend that you get your kids looking into the Enneagram too, and that you look into their Enneagram as well as a parent. So then you can understand relationship dynamics and then you can help your kids take care of themselves too. So for example, I got into the Enneagram as a child of a mom and I I was just looking into it for my own self-development, looking at Enneagram nine. And I started taking care of myself as an Enneagram nine. And my mom started looking into it as an Enneagram eight. And so she knows what she needs for her self-care and now that we're both on the same mindset of, okay, we take care of ourselves and then we show up for each other, we do good. Love that. This has been such an interesting conversation. And if anybody is listening to this saying, okay, I need to know more, you really should head over to that website, Making Mindfulness Matter. So useful for your family relationships and really, just like we're speaking, really addressing what we need and learning to get clear on who we are and what we're all about so that we can actually serve our family and be present with our family and enjoy our lives. So I'd like to hear, is there anything else that you'd like to share? One thing I always like to share at the end of whenever we talk about Enneagram or personality typing, there can be this feeling of, I have to learn it all now in order yeah. to get to the, like, get out of, get my head above water. Mm. And while it will help by overwhelming yourself and telling you, you have to learn it all now, you're going to end up just making yourself more stressed. So take your time learning about the Enneagram, like spend as much time as you need figuring out and making sure that you're the figuring out your right type. Yeah. Family members can help with this a lot. Friends can help with this a lot. And it's really take your time with it. Don't rush into it because you end up might end up just making yourself more stressed in the process. After all, once you find your type, you have your Enneagram type for life and you have a whole lifetime ahead of you to figure things out and to make it work for you. So just remember to trust the process. Yes, I love those words because this entire season is dedicated to the overwhelmed homeschool mama. And we are not trying to overwhelm you with strategies. You got to use them and practice them and get familiar with them and keep putting them into practice. But they're going to be useful tools. And you don't have to use the tool all day long. You just have to use it every day. Yeah. And eventually, too, when you understand the Enneagram well enough, you won't even have to think to apply it. It'll just become like a level of self-awareness. I love that. So where do we find you online? So you can find me on Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, and the blog at Making Mindfulness Fun. And it's not very often that I recommend people head over to YouTube, but I think your YouTube channel is so much fun. And I love watching your family work together on video. It's amazing. The interactions love it. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for joining me today. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts or questions, so head over to my website, CapturingTheCharmLife.com, and introduce yourself to me. Until next week, I hope that you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend. <laughs>